0: So
1: this is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. Barrett Davis has just released his debut album. It's been a long time in the making. In fact, he started one of the songs over ten years ago. But that's not to say he hasn't been busy. That's actually why it's taken so long for this release. Music has always been a huge part of his life. His dad is a blues guitarist who's played with Marshall Tucker and Jeannie C. Riley, which should be a podcast unto itself. His mom is a singer who helped train his sister, who now sings opera in Amsterdam. Barrett was playing with his dad as well as his own band, the Foxfire, for years when he decided to step away and take a break. But he had met his wife, started a family and needed to give them time. He focused on construction and building a business in North Carolina, where he grew up. And when he decided the time was right, he took his time. He incorporated everything he could from his favorite artists and the surrounding Appalachian music, and has released The Ballad of Aesop Finn. And there's a story behind everything with the album. And that extends to the album title, as well as the album length. Nothing is left to chance here. And Barrett has a deep connection to this music, to Appalachia, and surprisingly, Gouda Cheese. So we recorded this right around the time of the World Cup and college football playoffs, so we even venture into sports just a little bit. So give Barrett a follow on Instagram, at Barrett Davis Music, Facebook, Barrett Davis Music, or his website, barrettdavismusic.com. Pick up The Ballad of Aesop Finn wherever you buy music, stream it, share it, get it out there. Follow us, at Performance on Twitter and Instagram. Reach out to us through those platforms or the Performance Anxiety Pod at gmail.com. You can send us a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or buy something with our logo at performanceanx.threadless.com. And now we get to the roots of Barrett Davis on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. <laughs>
2: Hey guys, thanks so much for listening in. It's been a joy talking to Mark Shea from Performance Anxiety. If you want to find out more about me, Barrett Davis, and the band, please take a look at barrettdavismusic.com, take a look at Barrett Davis Music on Instagram, and Barrett Davis on Facebook, and follow us on Spotify. And uh, yeah, please get to know The Ballad of Aesop Finn, our latest release and my debut album. Nailed it. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, right. I appreciate it, bud. I'm about to run outside just to get better service. Yeah. Sit in the car and turn my lights on.
1: No problem.
2: Sweet. Been on the run all day. Oh, have you? Yeah, we're building a... uh, It's an A-frame timber frame, which has already been constructed with sit panels. But my... (laughs) My company's doing the roof on it, the install, the trim, okay. and, like, the actual roofing and the siding. It's, uh yeah, it's kind of a bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, never, we've never done anything that steep, and I've been doing carpentry for 10 years. So it's,
1: oh, wow. Yeah, it's quite it's quite intense. I, can, I bet my house isn't exactly an apron, but I've got a really steep roof, so I, I can... Kind of understand what you're saying.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's insane. Yeah, the house is so crowded. We live in a really small, small little space, but it's great.
1: <laughs> oh man, it, that makes the family closer.
2: Yeah, it does. Yeah, literally, like the kids are five feet from my bed.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, most man. of my uh,
2: most of my dad time spent outside. Oh yeah. <laughs> It
1: could be worse, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, heck, my job's outside. Well, at least my day job's outside. Dad time's outside. Yeah. Yeah, it's great.
1: All right. So thank you for coming on. I have listened to your debut album, The Ballad of Aesop Finn, and I thought it was awesome. I haven't been enjoying it since the first listen. But what I like to do is to find out how you got to the point of creating that album. So I like to start at the beginning. And when did, uh, when did music really start making an impact in your life? Is there a lot of it in the family? Was, it, was there was a lot growing up?
2: Yeah, there's a ton growing up with my family. There was a lot of music. Mom was a classical pianist. Wow. Uh, she would always be accompanying folks. Um, and then she started kind of grooming my sisters and singing and also the same with my dad. Cause he's a blues musician and a, a singer songwriter. Oh, and he would do, he would do the same. He would, uh, basically like teach them how to, well, I don't know. I teach them, but show them how to orchestrate a song in his own way. And the two of them were pretty close like that, but still kind of separate. They're still together after like 40 years. So lots oh, wow. of music going on. Yeah. Always lots of music going on in our house. And then, uh, I started getting influenced by piano at that time and it kind of s- sparked like a really big interest in me wanting a drum set. <laughs> and then you know how all that goes. I oh yeah. A little bit about the rhythm and and, and I broke my arm and, and I started doing stringed instruments as therapy on like a little mini ukulele that
1: oh, my wow. cousin
2: John gave me. And then uh, from there I just picked up the guitar because I it was great on the ukulele. I went through the whole Beatles one album.
1: <laughs> I never you thought know, of that as, as a way to do therapy.
2: Yeah, it's great. I actually have a piece of metal in my arm right now and the bones growing around it and stuff. It's great.
1: Oh, <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I work for my day job. I work for a spinal implant company, so I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, that's the real stuff.
1: Yeah. Some, oh, man. some nasty stuff, man. But it's so we, we were parents professional musicians, or was it something that they did in, in their spare time and a little extra money here and there, playing in bands, oh, doing gigs?
2: Well, Mom always tried to make it professional as possible with the colleges and stuff. She was always roped in with at least one university, Oh, cool. working oh, cool. about once or twice a week with that kind of stuff and accompaniments. Uh, Dad, he started getting into music, I think, right after... He got his master's in Native American studies and archaeology. And that was um, started playing at the Greystone Inn, which is a place where I live at on the regular. That's kind of when at least when that started happening for him as a day job. That's when I started playing music every day with him for, I think, like four years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that became a real big part of the process because we were entertaining people like, at the Greystone from all over uh, Cliff Williams from ACDC was wow. always there. Oh wow. Uh, but yeah. A lot of different people, uh, mostly just like lawyers and doctors, and, you know, <laughs> a, few, a few people have mentioned that come by just sporadically over the years. And that was a great experience for me to learn professionalism. And like, you don't perform the same way as you would at a venue. Cause no one's looking at you, but it's definitely like a listening room to me. It feels like the concert series, but oh, like every day. You know, wow. There's no, there's no acute. I guess there's no plug-in or anything. So we would play it just like that all the time.
1: Oh man. And,
2: uh, yeah, it's kind of a. I guess it's bad now because I don't really want to play any of those types of gigs anymore. <laughs> unless it's a, unless it's like a real concert series, then of course. Right. But uh, but I have a hard time with the some of the. The private and the quiet gigs, because I'm just like, uh. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it even did a number on me for the breweries as well. Oh, really? Um, just, yeah, just because I got such a long dose of it early on. And oh, it just wow. became, it became work so fast. So I guess I didn't have too many qualms taking a big, long break and and having kids for a minute with my wife before kind of making another debut or a real debut album under my solo name.
1: So at what point did you start taking music really seriously i mean was that with your dad or i mean were there any other yeah i guess was that the definitely. career path you wanted to take
2: yeah it was it wasn't uh i guess convenient at the time cuz i was enjoying like another job i was doing but then i ended up stopping that to go to music full time and then it became an obsession alongside of uh playing in this group i started the foxfire with my friends back in the day and we got to play some some nice stuff with by uh I guess some nice gigs by recommendation of Woody Platt. We ended up doing a Colorado tour, a bunch of radio shows and things like that. Oh cool. Uh, a bunch of you know a bunch of regional tours. but that was uh all running side by side when I was playing at the Greystone, and it it yeah, it was everyday music for sure for about five years.
1: Hey, everybody. I've got a great sponsor that I want to talk to you about. For a long time, I wondered if CBD was something that might benefit me, but I had no idea how to find out. I didn't know what products were available, what companies were reputable, and really even what questions to ask to get the answers I needed. That's why I'm so glad I found Pure Spectrum CBD. They helped me discover what CBD could do for me. They were awesome at determining what my needs were, They help me find a starting point. I started with the tincture and the isolate, but there's also gummies, topicals, mints, and a lot more. Pure Spectrum not only has CBD products for wellness, they also have them for fitness and recovery. There's even CBD for your pets. The website has a ton of information, and chat options are available. And all their products are third-party tested, and the results are available right on their website. So go to PureSpectrumCBD.com to do your own research, and when you check out. Use code performance ANX for fifteen percent off your order. Check them out on Instagram at Pure Spectrum Hemp and subscribe to their email list for sales, new products, and updates. Pure Spectrum, refined phytocannabinoid wellness products for all lifestyles. And so, all this is happening in like Western North Carolina area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Does the music of that era, like, that's, I mean, that's considered the Appalachian area. Am I correct definitely. with that? All right, yeah, so is. Is, is that a big part of the your musical background? Were you, were you listening to that a lot growing up, or were you more listening to rock, or just a mix of everything?
2: Well, as far as what I was listening to, uh, I'm not a uh, a big listener of just hardly, stri- I guess, strictly bluegrass, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was everything as far as what I was taking in. I mean, I listen to all kinds of music, The Killers, even. Oh nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean that was an obsession of mine uh, the stage presence and 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 studying really good artists like Springsteen, Tom Petty and and Michael Jackson and and for my area, it was the Killers cuz that was who I was watching that was like you know up on stage really doing a great job with the with the stage presence and 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 kind of communicating with the crowd. Okay. Um, yeah, I learned a whole lot just I guess a couple of years ago, I played in uh, Dover, Delaware with the, the pretty little goat band for uh firefly music fest. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I know Yeah. We played on the Treehouse stage, which was huge for oh, us, nice. I guess as a band. And I, I left that band the same year just to kind of wrap this project up. Cause it's just been getting crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I remember watching Brandon flowers from the killers and uh, I was taking notes the whole time. I was just like, very impressed. I'd, I'd love I think, to see
1: you incorporate a little Michael Jackson into your, <laughs> into your uh, stage show. That would, that would be impressive. Oh,
2: yeah, man. I, I, when it comes to that stuff, I just think of, uh, I got a couple of buddies that talk to me about music that are in my group, but I mean, they talk to me about my music and their, their commentary on it. Yeah. They And it. And it is like really hard for people to describe the genre of the live show because it is so eclectic. Oh, I mean nice. the last the concert we had for the full band the seven piece and we had some trombone oh, and of course wow. like keys and and it bouncing back from not always just the dobro but pedal steel and lap steel and
1: oh man
2: uh, yeah and drums with sticks you know not just brushes <laughs> so it's like <laughs> uh it's it's definitely different I was feeling some some Neil Young vibes for the first time in my life when I listened back to and some and some Willie Nelson vibes when oh, I was, was listening awesome. back to the live session. I was like, "This is awesome, so it's evolving for sure in all the best ways, but yeah that it's you won't quite hear any any one artist coming through, but it it is kind of a a problem of mine to just like you know stay. Stay like a one-track mind. So the next album is definitely not going to sound as as bluegrassy, but it was it was a big deal for me growing up here because that is one of the biggest parts of music here in Appalachia. It's yeah, you know, a lot of really good musicians live here and and pass on like all their skills to anybody who's willing to hang out with them and listen. And
1: that is and awesome.
2: Yeah, but you
1: have had to leave music for a while. How did that happen?
2: Well, Clint Roberts from the, the Foxfire had mentioned at one of our, our bigger festivals how he was wanting to do not the same thing, but just something different. And I was thinking kind of something similar as I was getting kind of more involved and about to marry my wife. Okay. And uh, it kind of it worked out at, the, at similar times.
1: So you left music for love instead of jumped in yeah. for love.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. Yeah. And it, it was kind of scary, but at the same time, I was pretty much okay with it. I just well, wanted to uh, yeah, experience a job and all that. Like, I guess a, a more serious job at, at the same time, because music for me at the time wasn't the same as it is now. Now it's like, everything is methodical and planned out.
1: Ah, uh, you're younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 At the time, it was wild. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you I mean you left it for to marry your wife and start a family. So, during that time, did you leave it completely or were you still maybe were you still writing and, and keeping up your guitar chops, or did you just put it down yeah. completely?
2: Oh yeah. All these uh songs on on the uh the album The Ballad of Aesop Finn are from uh, the past ten years and some some before that. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I think your Worth is probably the oldest tune on the record.
0: You would always say to me that you were my best friend Till the
2: wheel of time came to an end and
0: I would always say to you I'd give up all my fights just to
2: come to you tonight but uh, Lazarus, Carolina Still, um, the Ballad of Aesop Finn all of those are around like right after I kind of met my wife and and those were they're not necessarily all really love songs Uh, what was the other one that's on the record Uh, uh, Oh Sleeper is also another one that was written in that period of time so
1: love that song
2: such a way of many fear lock the door loud it's funny because some of the songs written before that time i'm going to add on to the next record because i just started realizing <laughs> that they're actually really good wow
1: Max, yeah. you're reaching back
2: i am and i've got two more albums on top of that that i have like planned out that are wow. there are things that i've written since since i started the project for the ballad of aesop fan
1: oh man
2: yeah uh,
1: so you're gonna do the exact over. opposite of what everybody's afraid of so uh, what i hear a lot is that i spent you know five years writing the songs that became the debut album it went pretty well we toured for a year and then the uh record label is like all right time to make your next album and we don't have anything so you've already got yeah. like you, the next three or four albums planned out that's awesome
2: I do. Yeah, I definitely do. And my dad's part of it too. That's I think the so fourth cool. the fourth album, I shouldn't put it on the back burner as the fourth. I should probably put it at the first, given his age and like what he needs right now. But I, it's still undecided so I won't say anything. But he okay. he's got he's got like a probably a hundred good songs. And I've wow. got ten on my mind that I've written down and I really think I wanna cut a whole record of it. And oh, I don't man. think it's gonna spoil the you know how people are always worried about changing genre or mm-hmm. flopping back and forth. I don't think it's going to spoil anything at all. Personally, I love that that outlook. Yeah, I, I really don't think anything bad could possibly happen at all from that because it's it's another world when you're hearing his songs, and then especially if I was to play them just with my voice and my my band, it's a different it's a different thing entirely, and it and it becomes you Know the vibe of what I'm already doing, but each tune is great, and I've played them in front of people, and people just like go berserk over them. Oh, so, I'm, nice. I, I, don't know, I think I think they're all special because I'm cherry picking from an anthology.
1: You've already piqued my interest. I'm I see, I'm, I'm a I love the blues anyway, but thank you. Yeah. So, are they uh, there is it mostly, uh, or is it all blues based?
2: It's all blues based country, nice. a lot of the lyrics are. Really, much more on the storyteller side of things, like Country is, and then uh, you know the background is from a a man who's obsessed with BB King and and (laughs) uh, all the blues roots, and then he he also spent some time playing with uh, Marshall Tucker, and uh, that was like in the middle of his heavy songwriting time, and he did he did a little bit where he got a chance to cut a record with um, Jenny C Riley. And oh, then uh, cool. he was really shy. So I'm pretty sure they shelved it based on what he told me, according to, you know, just, yeah, he was, yeah. he was extremely shy. Honestly. Oh, wow. he, he didn't want to be a a, a lead singer or, a, or in a lead position of any kind. So oh, man. I, I I don't think much happened with that, but
1: well, we have oh, yeah. completely skipped over your debut album. So let's go back and, and <laughs> we're on your fourth album already. So we, we got to go back and okay. figure out how we got to the fourth album now. So what got you back into writing and performing?
2: I believe the performance was more just me going out in town and seeing all the fun acts in town that are smaller and kind of getting back into the, you know, the contagious bug of just enjoying that okay and, and wanting to be a part of it and then it got a little worse a little worse <laughs> <And eventually laughs> I, you can't help but but really try at something so started by band page booked a few gigs uh every year for the past four years and and that snowballed into me constructing this album and part of that time was spent like i said with pretty little goat Been swimming and it's keep me by your side. And then it, uh, as I was with them, I, I also was able to just really get back into it a hundred percent. And it really helps too, cause as I jumped in I was learning all these new songs on a on guitar and rhythm and kind of getting in touch with my, uh, my roots, if you will. And, and starting to understand some of, some of the traditional songs that I've never even played before. I was in that band, like Fisher's hornpipe and stuff. Yeah. And those, that, that kind of vibe was great for me. It got me really a hundred percent back where I, I just couldn't help, but start cutting as many tracks as possible. started working with Aaron Aiken, from the pink beds and he was uh he was my old bandmate in the Foxfire and just a phenomenal oh, cool. producer and he he has like an amazing skill at creating a sonic space for an indie record the feel of the the reverb and the just the body of everything so i knew that that would be a really nice blend with bluegrass and that became an obsession for me to try that out
1: oh nice
2: so, yeah
1: you're writing this whole time. Did you have a huge catalog of of music to pick from, or did you just have these songs specifically picked out for the album?
2: I I had a huge catalog. Okay. It was about thirty songs to pick from, oh, and wow. I know eight eight is not enough. <laughs> the reason we settled on eight is because of Instagram. Oh, really? <laughs> that sounds weird, but like attention spans are out the window. Also, when you're going through press, I had somebody tell me, and this was a great confirmation from Insider, I think Insider Magazine, they were like, that was the easiest album review ever, because I actually listened to the whole thing. I'm like, how many (laughs) album reviews do they actually listen to the whole thing? I even wonder.
1: That's a good, you know, I never thought of that, because I listen, when I have somebody coming on, I listen to the whole thing. And if they have a back catalog, I go and I try to listen to that, too heck yeah so doing a review and not listening to the entire album i what how i don't even i don't even know understand how you can do an honest review that way
2: i don't know that that it is it is a i guess a problem especially on on the ones that are getting hit up every day or multiple times a day but
1: all right so asap finn did the album start off as a, a i guess i for lack of a better term like a concept album of of was that the idea it from the was. beginning and you just picked the songs that fit the best or it, it? was.
2: Okay. Yeah, very much so. Aesop was recorded first because everything about it was indie. Like, when you listen to it, it's like it has like a, a dreamy aspect that, that takes you like really far away and back again. And as we kind of pieced it together, it just kept getting better and better and the more we threw at it, it got better and even like we'd bring an artist in he'd play five songs or she'd play five songs and we'd be like well let's cut that one and that one because those weren't really great takes but okay. on aesop then that never happened it just wow. stayed the same way all the way through it was it was really nice and that that was our first part of the project that we took out that was the biggest chunk of meat and then we we sculpted the project around it and oh, it really cool. became a tale of uh mystery yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> appalachian mystery <laughs> with a. Uh, all all of them.
1: So I'm going to come clean on this. When I downloaded this from the the from the PR folks, and I put it on a thumb drive to listen to in my car because my car doesn't have a CD player anymore. I, I don't know when those went away, but my, my computer imported everything alphabetically. So I listened to your album in alphabetical order, not exactly how you sequenced it. Okay. So it's, it's, I got a little bit of a different, I guess, feel maybe than you intended. So, But that doesn't take away from the great songwriting, the beautiful harmonies and the melodies. I absolutely, like Aesop Finn, the harmonies in that are incredible. I absolutely love that song. See you. your voice throughout the whole album but there's, there's certain songs in particular like um, I think it's, I, it's a fan of Lazarus and Bama Shore your voice has a Peter Gabriel quality to it that cool. I absolutely love
2: heck yeah
1: I should should uh, do a uh, I don't know maybe a bluegrass Peter Gabriel cover.
2: That would be wonderful. I, think, I love Peter Gabriel.
1: Oh, I I do too. That's one of the one of the things that kind of kept drawing me back into the music is is your the vocals. That quality. And I'm like this man, it's like you're the Appalachian Peter Gabriel.
2: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but-
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
2: Growing up, I was always uh, into all that kind of, you know, the singer songwriter exploration. And uh, I, I touch back on a lot of that stuff as much as possible. I really hit hard on Bob Seeger this year. It's just been kind of. Oh, really? And- yeah I'm like this is gonna be great That's gonna like absorb as much of this before we cut the next record. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just love how he, he's like balls to the wall
0: uh, it's oh, yeah.
2: totally unnecessary sometimes but he's just like <laughs> that man just got he's got to scream them lyrics out
1: oh he does I cannot wait to hear yeah. what this does for your next album
2: yeah I, I think it'll be good
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how did you come up with Aesop Finn and is there a meaning behind it
2: Aesop Finn is, uh, I looked it up for a long time, just trying to find a great meaning for Aesop as I was crafting the song. Mm -hmm. And Aesop really means the teller of tales. Uh, There's not a deeper meaning to it. It, it, The man became the definition. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Yeah, which is a spectacle within itself. I mean, he is his own sideshow. It's amazing. (laughs) So I, I decided to take that and then i guess Aesop finn being his last name i really like finn because i thought it was a really cool name it's also kind of a cultural name uh Mm -hmm. my grandmother's Mm -hmm. from glasgow scotland oh and i have a whole bunch of family in the uk that i've never met and so i always had that on my mind and it's not F-I-N-N which is funny because that's how I should be spelling it because that means something totally different I think it means like fair or something oh uh, okay but Finn fin is spelled F-I-N because it's the end of all tales sorry sorry, for being long winded no but it no, is no the ballad of the end of all tales oh it man is, yeah that's an
1: interesting choice for your debut album yeah <laughs> the yeah. beginning of your career is the end of all tales <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah, that kind of is. It hit me hard, and I was like, "This is going to be uh, a really fun creation of a of a project that'll kind of push the spirit of an album that will, I I think tell tell a lot of the tales of Appalachia to people that have no idea what Appalachia is." That's because it's not a bluegrass album, so I thought that's that's going to be the biggest thing is trying to rope in as much of my history as possible into this record and it it was such an important thing to me because my great-grandfather was you know he came from barnardsville area like outside of asheville north carolina and from there my family went kind of west and then back again and now we're here and i was born in this county and and it's as i dig and dig there's there's just so much history here that I've already got, and oh, that was awesome. a big deal for me. Yeah, that's what Carolina still is about for, for my great-grandfather. That is awesome. Sheriff's on the neck, DA's on the end.
1: An overarching theme throughout the whole thing, and it, like I said, for me, it it, it kind of went a little up and in, in, probably not arched the same way you wanted it to. Since I listened to it alphabetically, but you've got a lot of guests. I guess I guess I want to say guests on the album, people are helping you out on it. But before we get yeah. into that too much, is the band in the album? Th- the band that you play with most of the time or did you do a lot of the uh, instrumental tracking or how did that whole situation work out?
2: Uh, When we started the record, most of the male vocals are mine uh, except for Woody Platt's on Quiver. And then uh, female vocals are my wife's. But when we got into the instrumentation and stuff, I actually picked Owen Grooms from the goat band because he does like a claw hammer style and then he's got another, like, a baritone. Just that nylon string was a really good a really good pairing for a, a record like this, especially if it's going to be geared, t- since it was going to be geared towards, like, indie. Mm-hmm. I thought that the softer would be better. And, man, he just does such a great job at that, because he, he's claw hammer, but he's also very technical. And that, that actually helped Aesop Finn kind of become birthed the way that it was. Uh, for the keys, the whole record is done by my buddy Derek Gardner. Uh, he went to, um, I think, uni- Birmingham, University of Alabama. I don't, I don't remember, oh, yeah. but the big the guy is insane, man. He's insane. <laughs> he did all the keys on it and many different variations, uh, mostly Hammond B3 and, and regular piano. Oh nice. But man. he chose all those settings. And then for the lap steel, pedal steel, and dobro... Mostly Jackson Delaney, but I hired Ryan Stigman, who's been playing with Chatham Rabbits a lot lately. Okay. And Ryan Stigman did the, the pedal steal on Bama Shores and on Aesop Finn, which was a good move. It was a, I actually hired him <laughs> early on before switching to Jackson, and I switched because I like what Jackson does, and I, I had all the other songs that I wanted to do like in my head. so OK. Um, I was really liking the blues. You know, Jackson, <laughs> he was hitting all the right notes. So that that's what happened. And, and I knew that that was good for Carolina still and a bunch of other songs, uh, especially because he's like a three in one okay. with the Dobro lap steel and pedal steel.
1: Okay. So he's and, playing the Dobro too. Is he playing that throughout the whole album?
2: Yeah. On oh. Quiver, Jackson, Jackson nailed Quiver. He is good. Um, yeah. And, and Highway 64. Highway 64, we were cutting most of his parts at his place in Barnardsville he has got a little farmhouse in Barnard'sville near the elementary school. we were there like, it's an hour and 45 from my house and uh, (laughs) it started snowing like crazy. He's like, you got to go home. I'm like, this is my last chance, man. I'm not coming coming back. (laughs) Not for a minute. Like six months. (laughs) Try that one again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I drove home in the snow in in a Honda Accord just to grab that. It was, it was great. Oh my gosh. Worth, worth every minute of the, Tucker factor when yeah. you drive down a- oh, <laughs> <lady>. <laughs> I will agree
1: not knowing how deep the snow was but I will still agree with you so yeah you mentioned Bama Shores which I love that's the first song I heard and it's I actually kind of I love it because I lived in southeast Alabama for a decade and also I would go down cool. to Mobile and, uh, and Orange Beach and all that area and kinda, that's one reason I, I think I got into this album so easily was that it opened up To me, with Bama shores, I'm like, I get this.
2: Heck yeah, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah, essentially, this the album starts with Highway 64 as like, you know, the the telling of the tale of the whole thing, and as it comes in, it's like you get the spooky dobro, and then Mystic Valley of the Celtic (laughs) Hills. Mystic
0: Valley of the Celtic Hills.
2: In isolation with a hunger to distill. On my labor, if it ain't nothing more, made its ground running down that highway 64. And that was big for me especially for the the place i was raised in and and getting the ability to tell the story because i was as a kid i was always fantasizing about you know the the moonshine running and, and all the stories like that i got to watch thunder road as a child because oh, i was yeah. homeschooled so
0: oh, nice. my life
2: you my life was vhs you know yeah like yep. readers digest movies <laughs> It was, my uncle would send me those, it was a well, great uncle, would actually would send me those Reader's Digest movies, the Cabin Fever Productions, all that stuff. Oh, nice. We would, we would absorb that. And, and a lot of it was Appalachian based and some of it was Ozark based, but I, I started fantasizing about this stuff at a young age. So Howie 64 is probably the oldest fantasy thought of a song that I have. I mean, it's probably 20 years old. Oh, wow jeez the, yeah <laughs> definitely but bama shores is is one of the most fun i i wrote that when i met my wife actually and it, it was a kind of a crazy week because i'm obsessed with alabama and I, I wanted to go back to alabama to see the concert or the the festival oh uh, awesome. Shores. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to see kings of leon uh tom petty uh stevie wonder and everybody else that was going to be there. Oh, and so I made sure I was there. And, and uh, as I was about to leave, this was the week that my sister was marrying my wife's brother. And we didn't meet until that day. Oh, wow! but but I, I was like, I really think this chick is hot. So I'm like going to ask her if she wants to come with me. And, <laughs> and he's got two weeks off in a foreign country. And I'm, you know, I'm with a bunch of, I'm with my bandmates and, and we're all like, you know, pretty, pretty awkward. <laughs> Laid back, laid back dudes. So I mean, she was like, "This is great, you know. I I feel awesome, and safe." And and she came all the way down there with us, and wow. and then we ended up like finding a crazy random campsite from some like med students. And we were like, "Hey, we need to use the underside of your house. it wasn't a campsite; it was just underneath this house. Yes. We, were like, we need to we need to use this for like camping because the hotels are all sold out." Oh my and gosh! It would be awesome if we could camp underneath your house for this festival. So, yeah, that that, that wow. was the the good time that sparked the song "Alabama Shores" and brought back all of my Alabama nostalgia because Alabama awesome. was that was where my pops ended up doing his uh, what do you call the uh, his master's degree in in uh, archaeology. So, I, I, oh nice. I, I was raised both in North and North Carolina and uh, Alabama.
1: Oh nice. Well. Yeah. We're not making the playoffs this year, but doesn't look like unless we have some cr- chaos in the uh, championship games, but that's all right.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah t- I'm, I'm obsessed with that World Cup right now. I'm a little, I'm <laughs> a little distracted because we've got <laughs> t- two potential countries in my house that could win. Oh, yeah, see, that's right. Cause yeah, ne- Netherlands and, and the U.S. will we'll be seeing what they do this week.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, because you, you, yeah, like you said, your wife, she wasn't born in the U.S. She's
2: yeah, she's uh, born in Gouda, actually, where the cheese is from, Gouda. Oh, oh, nice. Very nice. I like Gouda. Yeah, perks of the marriage. are <laughs> <Yeah. Our men. laughs> My mother-in-law just brought a whole bunch of cheese, and my sister did, too, when she came to visit. So we've been oh. cheesed out as well.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm jealous. And when my wife hears this, she's going to be jealous, too. Awesome. <laughs> so this whole time, are you still... Working, doing the construction because we were just talking about it at the beginning of this. So I'm assuming that's yeah. still going on.
2: Well, you you asked me about about like when it hit for like the obsession or or for like creating the project. Mm-hmm. I, I think three years ago, after being a carpenter, you know, doing the the I guess the the slur of like everyday work, it just becomes like a maelstrom of like insanity and and you know like. colleagues and you know you know it's it's everybody's going through the same hard time pretty much in their own way and expressing it in some pretty freaking weird ways (laughs) Uh, for the most part so eventually i was just got freaking tired of it i I grew kind of a little bit insane and and i was like this has to happen like i've got to cut a record Uh, i've got to figure out how to pay for it And and not only that but my expectation is like way too high in a good way (laughs) so i was like we're gonna cut a debut album we're gonna do you know this grassroots production and moonride records is going to be the record company and we're gonna have all this stuff laid out the only thing i think i missed is have enough money to do it all at the same (laughs) time so it's turning into like a two-year process of promotion but i'm good with that
1: you get to enjoy yeah, the album it, more.
2: Yeah, it became a huge deal for me. And so then I was like, well, I've got to become a contractor. And I don't even know how the F I'm going to do that. So then we decided start a construction company and then divide the profits by, you know, putting half to the music and then some into where we're living and our rent and then the other part into just surviving. So, wow. Yeah, it's crazy because I have had a... I mean a fifty percent increase in income, but then I'm also like poorer than I was before I started the goal. So I'm like, wow, this is crazy. (laughs) There's no rest.
1: Oh man! So that's dedication, though.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and we've really been enjoying that part of it because there's nothing more. I mean, I don't want to say cliche, sound cliche, but there's nothing more American. You know, that's sure. you, you come to the place and you give it your all. And I've met so many immigrants, especially because i being married to my wife and, and also the construction world. And I've sure met immigrants from South America and from Eastern Europe. And I've just noticed that people come here and, and they'll have a business up and running within a couple of years. Yeah. And, and that's dedication because they were an apprentice when they got here. You know, they yeah. might have been a... They might have been doing computer work when they came here like literally totally different stories i've met people whose parents were politicians from other countries and they were like building houses with me wow sending money back to their parents oh. it's insane you get a huge uh cultural experience in western north carolina if you are a construction worker and the biggest part is if you're actually willing to listen to somebody's life story that's you, true you've got a separation of of cultures in a way, because a lot of the older guys here are kind of stiff and like, they're not bad people. They're just stiff and they don't want to talk about anything. And yep. so that just, that becomes the result.
1: That older generation but, don't like to open up.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I mean, being able to, to visit Amsterdam at a young age, uh, as my sister started singing opera over there and and just, wow. Uh, I spent two years at a youth hostel, so I you know, I got I got an experience in just listening to folks and, and part of the, my job at the youth hostel was to listen to folks. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it was like a it was like a therapy in a party town, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a therapy hostel. <laughs> People would come come into it, like crying their brain and stay for a couple more days and we'd we would uh you know, just get a chance to talk to the guests and, and also work and that was part of yeah. our mission or whatever. Yeah, it was great.
1: That's kind of sure. All that feeds into the to the writer in you. So that yeah, it definitely does. I would imagine you've got like a, a backlog of ideas at this point between working at the hostel, working in construction, listening to to so many stories.
2: Yeah, it definitely has impacted me a whole lot. I've I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of impactful stories in my life, and it, I'm really grateful for the people that I've worked with and for the people that I've I've spoken to about their lives. And I I am a sponge, so (laughs) I can't help it.
1: That's wonderful, but it helps put a different perspective to maybe some of the the songs you've been writing. So maybe something that's not the typical point of view of of an um, American guy, you know, from Appalachia even. You know, I'm sure things are a little different with all those unique experiences you've had.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely interrupts the process, the thought process of, like, standard thinking. And as I was um, writing songs growing up, they would be influenced by the music that I listened to and kind of just weave like this the whole time. And and I would always be so frustrated because I was always like, how do I just write a, like a whole album's worth of music? But now that I've got so many songs written over the years, I'm like, I get to compile songs that are old and new and kind of wrap them together.
1: Yeah, I mean, how how often... I I guess I should phrase that a little bit differently. I don't often hear about an album where one song was written 15 years ago and the song right next, right after it was written a month ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not very often. That is awesome. I I (laughs) love it. The the next album will have that more so than this one. Uh, Like I said, this last one was a compilation of mostly the last 10 years. So, you're you're dealing with a gap from like one to ten, but right. I think by the time this next record's cut, some of those songs will finally be fifteen full years old.
1: So did the the older songs did they change a lot when yeah when you you started to cut them for the album?
2: Yeah, they change a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, we did. One of my favorite tunes is Bliss, and we did that uh, a totally different way. It was like a scoff. A ska version of of Americana and country and oh wow and folk rock at the same time, which was kind of awesome to me because you can really hear the soul coming through, which like you can't hear in ska right. at all, right? Um, and that that's a huge deal because it's it kind of shows like oh it may be where somebody got the idea of uh, of something like that genre from. I guess because it, it it does pull on a lot of the older older notes of just kind of like I guess deep South music, and right. Louisiana kind of vibes. And, and
1: so have you yeah. have you played the the album out much since it's come out, or have you had a chance with you yeah, know, having the uh, the company that you're running? I mean, do you, do you find time to play out, and, and do you yeah. have to stay we regional?
2: A, yeah, we did a. Uh, debut album release at a a private amphitheater in, in Brevard where I live, well, close to where I live. And that was, um, that's a place where they do like kind of bigger shows where they will like rope in five, five bands at once and then kind of just run through the line. Um, that was probably not the best idea, (laughs) but it was the most satisfying thing that I could be doing because we had about 80 people there which wasn't super great. It probably would have been better if I'd picked a Nashville venue, but I don't know. There's that part of me that's just like, you know, fuck it, man. I, I want to be somewhere where I'm really comfortable. And, and so the amphitheater itself was just amazing. acoustics. Oh, awesome. I mean, it wasn't one of those amphitheaters where it just like takes a baseball bat and knocks the sound right back at your face. Right. <laughs> it, it was like beautiful. Oh. And then uh, we had lights and sound and, and, and hired the right people, and just actually hired my producer to do the sound.
1: Oh, nice! Well, um, hey, he's familiar with it.
2: Exactly. Every part of it was was tailored. I think we probably nailed eighty forever fans. Like, oh, awesome! Yeah, undying. Uh, after that, I got to play Albino Skunk Fest, and um, <laughs> that was, I think, a couple days later. Oh man. You ever heard of that? I have not, but oh, I am really great. intrigued, dude. dude Warren Treaty closed out; they were so good. Oh wow! Oh yeah, it's Jeez. a small fest in South Carolina, but it is honky tonk as hell, and it is—it's <laughs> a bluegrass festival, but you wouldn't tell. I mean, not not after five PM. Oh man, nice. Yeah, that's a- yeah. It was great.
1: So do you have plans to take this on the road or, or are you, since you have your own company, are you kind of keeping it regional?
2: Um, we're keeping it regional through the winter because of mostly I was too busy to book a whole bunch of things for the winter. And right. I was like really nervous about leaving my kids throughout the winter uh, um, and just all that stuff. So like makes sense I'm trying to figure out because of the jump, from one business to another and finances and things i think mostly a regional tour is due for the next year or just like continuous regional plays Mm -hmm. uh, or gigs through the year and then uh 2023 in the fall and winter i'll probably have some better gigs oh
1: nice well yeah i hope you can get up to the uh to virginia and, and Come up to uh, to my way because I would love yeah. to hear this stuff live. So
2: where where are you in Virginia? Because I've got a gig in Richmond, in April.
1: Oh, I'm a, I'm a little far out for that. I'm in Winchester, so I am right on the like the northern tip. So I'm about 75 miles due west of DC.
2: Oh yeah, that's kind of cool. So well, I don't know. I'll I'm talk a, to uh, I'll talk to my buddy because the guy who does the American Songcatcher podcast, Nick Williams, he. We'll do a cool thing where, like, I could pay him a, a fixed rate, and he'll like book me a whole bunch of cool stuff. Oh, nice! And, yeah, it's not, it's not probably as awesome as having a booking agent, but I've been, I've been really getting by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we've got some really awesome venues in the in the local area. In fact, I, last night I was, a, I was just at a. I work in a town called Leesburg in Virginia, and, and uh, there's a little theater called the Tally Ho, and I was I, I do photography. I went to, that's what I went to college for. I don't do that as a live for a living anymore. But one of the benefits of doing this podcast is I've made a bunch of contacts and they like my photo work, and so I they'll give me tickets and and a pass, and I get to go and take my camera and just play around and shoot bands. And last night I got to shoot Wasp at the uh, at tallyho Ho Theater, the '80s metal band Wasp.
2: Oh, cool! So, <laughs> that's wild.
1: It's it's it was amazing. So it's uh, I don't even remember where the hell is going with that. I'm I'm kind of am still kind of tired from coming in later for that show. Oh, but...
2: okay. We're talking about Virginia. Oh. I am com- I am coming to Richmond, so I will try. I will try to book something in your neck of in your neck of the woods because I I really want to uh, hit as many towns as possible when I leave. Like that many states over, so I, I was considering DC. There's a
1: bunch of places in yep. DC. Uh, so many different sized venues. I mean, from small clubs, you know, little from little bars. There's a place called the Pie Shop, which is literally a pie shop, and upstairs they there's live music. In Winchester, where, where I live, they've they've got some great little venues. Uh, you know, anywhere from fifty to like three hundred and fifty people. You know, it's not huge venues, but it's intimate, and it's you can get a really nice show there. Like. I saw Ken Stringfellow from the Posies at a 50-seat venue here in Winchester uh, right around the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, wow. So Yeah. so it's, And it's a charming town. I love Winchester. Home of Patsy Cline. Oh, yeah. All right. So how can people follow you? How can they pick up the album and help support you and, and help you grow into a bigger
2: tour? Well... I think the best way to do that would be to follow me on the website, follow the email list. Cause that that's really going to help with like every little bit. The email lists are so crucial. Oh. Um, I mean, I've put, I've put a pop-up window on there. So literally every time somebody comes to visit my website, uh, they don't only get to see all the YouTube videos at once or the Spotify songs at once. I've tried to set it up in a way where they can just kinda of consume everything, um, you know, at the right time and I think in about a month or two they'll be able to buy merch. But nice. That that way they can kind of become a a permanent member of, of the email list. And I don't send out many emails, so Okay. I, I will once the, the tour kinda of picks up, people might be getting gigs, I guess, pertaining to their area, but, oh, awesome. but that, that is the best way because The more and more I dig into the the business of this, the more important it is to have that email list. Because let's say I want to do another Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. I would be lost without an email list. Sending that through all my email list followers or whatever, um, or subscribers, I should say. That would be a really fast way to just kind of let everyone know like, hey, this is it. Now's the time. Last chance. I will say this, though. I hope I never have to do another Kickstarter. Oh, really? Absolutely. Wow. I love producing my own music, and I loved having 100% control. I will produce Kickstarters until I get picked up by 30 Tigers around Rounder Records. That's what I told myself. Oh,
1: and there I you go.
2: I am going to keep pushing. I'm obsessed with the chase and I'm obsessed with music.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: I know it seems weird. Cause it's like, yeah, who cuts an album and then sits on it? I play a last slow game. Three,
1: <laughs> last few years have been kind of weird too. So it's yeah,
2: exactly. And, and I play a slow game. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't decide to cut an album last year. I decided to cut an album seven, six to seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I started a company to do it four years ago. I finally started paying for it from that company two years ago. And I have the fruits of my labor now, but so, I mean, it's, it's all in two year stints. And I think by year 10, I won't have much to worry about as far as income, but I, I really do. I really do want to give everybody their respect and following what I'm doing and make sure that every album has cultural reference that is really important to me pertaining to my culture and where I come from. And also being able to throw in that mismatch mishmash of of everything else that I've been exposed to over my lifetime. That is you know,
1: awesome. Well, it's, it is. I, I can't wait to hear what's coming up. But at the, what's the best way for somebody to buy Ballad of Aesop Finn? Or is it is it on Bandcamp? Or do you prefer streaming? I mean,
2: um, yeah, I probably should put it on Bandcamp to stream streamline income to me. I guess that's more direct, isn't it? I, I forgot about a lot of artists do that. Yeah. <laughs> I keep, I keep seeing it and thinking like, I should probably put that on there just <laughs> so that everybody can enjoy. And, and like, I could take advantage of the sales, but yeah, but no, most, most of it right now is available on all streaming platforms and you can purchase it on iTunes or Amazon. Okay. I just checked CD baby earlier and I think a few people have bought the album. From those places over the past month, which oh, is cool. kind of nice. But no, I, I think I will be putting it on Bandcamp now that you mention it. I I don't think that they're connected with any of the other, at least from what I can tell, I don't think he, they're connected with any of the other distributors.
1: No, it, it's... They're
2: independent, right?
1: It's, yeah, yeah. It's l- every, every independent artist that I've had, and some that aren't, put stuff out on Bandcamp. So, I mean, I see all kinds of stuff out on Bandcamp. <laughs> Heck yeah. What's the social media presence like? Are you on Twitter, Instagram? What what platforms do you you like?
2: Right now, I'm strictly on Facebook and Instagram. I've got a TikTok that looks like a redneck's TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. I mean, you can see a video of me raising a piece of drywall on (laughs) a lift and putting it in. And it's like, (laughs) woo! Dude, that one jumped to a hundred thousand views in like probably six days, and, and I was and I was I was blown away. That's uh, crazy. People really like that, and then I tried a bunch of other songs with it. Never happened again. I tried my own songs with it because I was like, "This is real thing." in you know what it was? Jim Croce. Jim Crochet singing. I can't remember what it. The name of the song is, but it's like talking to the secretary saying, "Hey, on baby, come on over here."
1: Oh, <laughs> what song rubber, is? like
2: sitting here in this rubber suit, rubbing a, <laughs> rubbing the car. I think it's car wash, but it's not the same car wash that everybody.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not
2: Rolls <laughs> Royce. No, man, I love I love that song. I'm obsessed <laughs> with she. With- with- with-
1: so uh, is it Barrett Davis music on the on Instagram and Facebook?
2: Yeah. Yes, Barrett Davis music on Instagram, Facebook is Barrett Davis. Uh the website is barrettdavismusic.com and uh so uh Spotify is Barrett Davis and the rest uh same. So
1: Oh, nice and easy. Nice and consistent. That makes it easier
2: yes than studying
1: yes. <laughs>
2: luckily, luckily not many people have my name right
1: <laughs> that's true that's true well, yeah. man, I really appreciate all the, the time you spent I, I love the album and i definitely trying to help as many people hear it as I can
2: yeah I appreciate it thank you so much for talking to me